My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm going to break down the entire UFC Vegas 85 fight card, giving you my picks, predictions, and bets. But before I do, let me bask in the glory that was UFC 297. Jacob and I dominated that card. The Twitterverse, betting X, whatever the hell they call it now, is a wasteland of people that had the wrong bets, the wrong picks, and tied their money to the wrong people. There were people out there betting on Jared Gordon. There were people out there betting on Siri Saidi. There were people out there betting on Mike Malott. I was one of the Mike Malott people, but not the other two dopes. We dominated. Jacob's underdog lock of the week hit at plus 165. My safety parlay continues to be a resounding success. That hit, that was plus 113. I gave you 39% ROI on my bets. Jacob gave you 26% ROI on his bets. That is a combined 31% return on your investment with our bets. This is not a coincidence. We did this exact same beating at UFC 296, this exact same beating at UFC Vegas 84, and hopefully we ride this success into UFC Vegas 85. You can unlock everything we do, including the safety parlay, at wewantpicks.com. Just click become a member at the top. Here's a closer look to that safety parlay. I've been on sort of a safety parlay tirade lately. I'm very proud of this. This is mine. I invented the safety parlay. Other people use the term because not many people are original, but I invented it. I own safetyparlay.com, and this is how successful it has been. The lifetime ROI is 29%. The lifetime ROI for a parlay on the most volatile sports betting sport, MMA, is insane. It continues to be a wild success. We have hit eight of the last nine parlays. We are at a 70% event win rate. And I am very, very proud of this. You can unlock this at wewantpicks.com. It's only $10 a month, but it's going to get you far more than a couple of bets. Premium membership is going to get you the world. I can show you the world. You're also going to get the line movement tracker. This is going to give you opening odds, current odds, win probability, and line movement for every single fighter on every single card. You're going to get the detailed data metrics and analytics. This information is in crazy crazy useful when we're looking at prop bets. Jacob just hit the Mike Malott over a half a takedown line. He hit the Myra Buena Silva takedown line. And the reason he hit that is we have tools like this to say, hey, how often do these people get takedowns? What do their opponent's takedown defense look like? You work your way across, you find your spots. This is available to you with everything else. As are the DraftKings tools, like the Optimizer. This will build DraftKings fantasy lineups for you. This will build 150 lineups for you with one or two clicks of a button. And it is preloaded with the best DraftKings ownership projections in the game. These are our numbers. These are our ownership projections for UFC 297. You can see us on the far right, a 3.51% margin of error. Work your way left. These are giant companies like Osimo, Roto Grinders. These are companies that charge $100 a month that have built massive platforms around this data, and we managed to have the best possible data and ownership projections. I pay somebody to come up with these numbers, and he's the best in the business. This is preloaded into the optimizer every single week, and yes, it is included in that $10 monthly fee. You're also gonna get more than just myself, more than just Baby Red, Baby Jake. You're gonna get Artem breaking down far more than just UFC. He's gonna give you PFL, Bellator, all the other promotional bets as well. You're gonna get the Pick Doctor. He has developed an AI 
using solely historical data. He has an AI picking fights, and it is picking them at an insane accuracy. You're also going to get the MMA Minute. He's going to give you his picks, his bets, his round line leans, and he's got 30,000 followers on the Tiki Taki and Running Mouth MMA. There are three of them giving you their picks, their bets, their insight, their round line leads. Everything I just mentioned is included in premium. There's also a whole bunch more that if I start to mention it, people start to complain about how long these intros are. $10 a month. We want picks.com. Just click become a member at the top. That's it with the stuff that costs money. This is just a call to action. If you could do us a favor, follow all the socials, not just YouTube. Follow us everywhere. We do have two YouTube channels. The other one is Picks Nation. Our Discord is 100% free if you want to hop in there. Obviously, premium members get some special perks, some special channels, but the Discord itself is free if you want to hop in. And you can follow us on all the socials and check out the website. You can also send us some mail. For the Fight Foods vlog, we open up mail. If it's a shirt, we'll wear it. If it's food, we'll eat it. Whatever you want to send, you can send. We've gotten letters. We've read those in the past. The UFC 297 Fight Foods vlog is being edited right now. That should be released later. I did not open the mail because my daughter has a nut allergy and she ate a nut. And it sent the whole day into a tailspin. We didn't get to the post office. But we will be opening this mail for UFC 298. Here's the address if you want to send something. And finally, last but not least, Premium members, you have a survey. It is in your email inbox. It is on the account page on Premium. It's a couple of questions, basically what you like, what you don't like, what you would like to see improved, what you would like to see added to premium membership. This survey is what tells us where to spend our time, where to spend our money, what to invest in, what to look closer at. So take a few minutes, fill out the survey. It's only gonna help the premium membership. And to encourage you to do so, we're gonna pick one lucky winner. We will do it on Thursday. The Thursday during the off week, which is next week, we'll pick one lucky winner that completed the survey and we'll throw them $100. Check your account page, check your inbox. You will find it there. Let's go ahead and break down UFC Vegas 85. If you are watching this video and it is fight week, there's a newer updated video. I'm filming this on January 20th. This event is two Saturdays from today. Next weekend, there are no fights. So if you're watching this after the break, if you're watching this on fight week, I promise you there's a newer version. Become a premium member, then leave, and then go watch the newer version. But let's go ahead and break down this card. Opening up, UFC Vegas 85. We have Temba Garimbo with a brand new opponent, Pete Rodriguez. Everybody's favorite, the incredibly skilled, the talented, the dangerous, the always ready, the weight maintaining machine Pete Rodriguez has stepped up on short notice. And that intro was that long-winded because Pete Rodriguez is a bum who had multiple fights canceled because he can't make weight. The fact that he is still in the UFC is absolutely astonishing to me, but he squeezed his way in here with a short notice step up. Anyway, we got Temba Garimbo. This guy's a distant striker. He manages range really well. He picks his shots. He is long for this weight class, and he uses that length to keep you at bay. He's typically a counter striker, but he will charge forward when he sees his openings. He's got solid takedown defense, and he widens his base, and he makes sure his opponents carry his weight when he is defending those takedowns. He also has solid offensive takedowns, which he showcased in his last fight against Takashi Sato. He had a knockdown three takedowns and got his first UFC win. He's taken on the always ready to go Pete Rodriguez. This guy does throw bombs. He comes forward no matter what. He only has six professional fights, but he did manage to get a UFC win under his belt when he beat 
the also incredibly talented Mike Jackson. Pete is powerful, but he's very sloppy. Anybody with clean kit technique is going to run right through him. He's coming off two failed fight attempts against Natan Levy. Most recently, a failed weight cut where he wasn't feeling very magical. I cannot believe Pete is still in the UFC. It's actually astonishing. I thought for sure he was cut after the debacle his last two times out. Either way, he is here. It's somewhat short notice. If this fight even happens, which it may not, I just don't see Pete winning. He's a regional guy who has some power. He's got a decent throw and uh, throw decent hands, decent power shot, but that's it. That's it. Demba should be able to control the striking, avoid a big shot, and then either pick Pete apart on the outside or even work in a takedown or two and a decision from there. Temba's going to be the pick. I am very confident in him. I don't have odds for this fight yet, but when I do, I'm likely going to jump on Temba Garimbo to beat the regional bum who can't make weight in Pete Rodriguez. Then we have Charles Johnson also stepping up on short notice. And it is unfortunate for Charles Johnson because he's a talented guy who has just I don't know, had some bad luck, bad matchups. I don't know what it is. We got Charles Johnson taking on Azat Moxham. Charles Johnson, this guy's a busy technical striker. Okay takedown defense. It was a lot better. Came into the UFC exposed a little bit against a couple of good grapplers. He does have some nice hand speed. He's got good output at almost five significant strikes per minute. And he can keep that pace for 15 full minutes. Outside of a stoppage over a turning Jimmy Flick, we have not seen too much power in his hands. And he has given up three fights in a row. All three of those fights, he was backing up. He was being taken down most recently by Rafael Estevam, where despite landing four times the amount of strikes, he was taken down three times and gave up nine minutes of control. He's taken on Azat Maxim. This guy is fast. He's dangerous. Pretty well-rounded skill set. He can pick people apart on their feet with technique, drop them with power, or outscramble them. He is genuinely one of the more talented guys the UFC signed in 2023. His composure is impressive, and if you run through his tape study, you're going to see that he is comfortable everywhere. He has beaten every style of fighter. He's beaten grapplers. He's beaten strikers. He's comfortable everywhere, and he has looked good in almost every matchup. He is coming off a close decision win over Tyson Nam, where he had solid pressure. He did showcase his chin, which is like, okay, great. I know your chin's not bad, but also like maybe don't get hit so much. But maybe his wrestling was a little bit exposed. He should, uh, we thought he was a little bit of a better wrestler than he was in that fight. And you can see, yes, he had two takedowns, but at an 18% accuracy. He went two for 11 in takedown attempts. He only had 22 seconds of control time. So even those two takedowns, he didn't do much with them. When Charles, I alluded to this earlier, but when Charles Johnson signed with the UFC, it was a Muhammad Makayev fight. I believe it was short notice. Maybe it wasn't. But he signed to the UFC. I talked about how talented he is, how he can hang with UFC-level fighters, and how it's a good signing. But he is now 2-4 and four in the UFC. One of those wins was a bad split decision win over Zalgas, where Zalgas probably won that fight. And the other was a definitive win, but it was a knockout over Jimmy Flick. And I don't think that this necessarily means that Johnson isn't a UFC-caliber fighter. It might just mean that he's had some bad matchups, lots of people that can take him down. He doesn't know what to do with it. But the problem is, Azat is no slouch, and I do think he wins this fight, which unfortunately is probably going to punch Charles Johnson's ticket. What I will say, though, is you need to take Johnson down to beat him. He is a good enough striker, a busy enough striker, that you're going to have some problems if you can't take him down. Azat's takedowns did not look great in his last fight. 
So I'm likely going to chalk that up to UFC jitters, but I would be careful betting on this fight because despite the skid, Charles Johnson has the tools and has the experience to squeak out a close win. Then we have Molly McCann. I'll pause because I think we need to pour one out for her last performance. And she's taking on Deanna Belbina. Molly McCann, she is a fun, aggressive striker. She does like to fight dirty. She wants to stay in the pocket and turn it into a brawl. She does not have a ton of power, but she does have two incredible spinning back elbow knockouts in the UFC. And while she prefers to bang it out on her feet, she does have some decent takedowns that are well-timed and she'll use them to lock up rounds. She's mostly a decision fighter, but she is technically sound. Got plenty of cardio to push a pace. She is coming off that submission loss to Julia Stolarienko, where she only landed six strikes. And she was a massive favorite in that fight. She's taking on Deanna Belbita, a high-pressure, volume striker who can work in some BJJ and ground and pound. She is well-rounded, constantly moving forward, and she doesn't slow down. She is effective in the clinch, standing and off of her back. She has a lot of experience, but she does have some low fight IQ movements at times. She's coming off that loss to Karolina Kovashevitz where she went two for two in takedowns, but she was a step behind in the striking. That is a quality loss, though. Karolina Kovashevitz, A, is having a career resurgence, and B, at one point in time, fought for a title and is a very, very good fighter. This is the second fight in a row where Molly McCann is entering the octagon as a massive favorite. And for her sake, let's hope this goes better than the last one did. The problem with Molly is that even though she is the in the largest MMA organization in the world, she almost has zero jujitsu. She is not a complete fighter. She is a very one-dimensional fighter. She can brawl at one and a half dimensions. She can strike, brawl, and she can offensively wrestle. That's sort of where Molly's skill set ends. You're not going to see much jujitsu out of her. The takedown defense could definitely use some work. And the problem is, if you work through Molly's UFC record, all five of her losses were to pretty good grapplers. But luckily for her, that's not Deanna Belbita. Deanna Belbita is not a very good grappler. She can work it in if she needs to, but that's not her strong suit. Sure, she's got a couple of takedowns, but that's where that ends for her as well. So Molly should actually be able to win this fight. She should be able to turn it into a slug fight. She should be able to stay in Deanna's face, make it ugly, make it dirty, avoid takedowns, avoid clinches, avoid all of that, and win a striking match. Molly's going to be the pick. Hopefully, every single one of you learned a lesson betting on Molly McCann, and you leave this fight the hell alone. Then we have Landon Quinones taking on Markel Maderos. This is a fun fight. We got a nice prospect here versus a guy that stepped up on short notice. Markel Maderos, he is the prospect. Very good striker. He strings together combinations really well. He throws up volume. He's insanely comfortable in his fights, and he flows really, really well. He is primarily a striker, but he can grapple with slick takedowns, slick takedown defense, and slick submissions. He is a touted prospect that will make a splash in the UFC. He already made a nice splash in his contender series win, which was a knockout over the much larger Issa Isakov. He's taking on Landon Quinones. You'll recognize that name because he stepped up on short notice to fight Nazrat Hakparast a few months ago. He's a decent striker, very slick wrestler, though. He's probably going to categorize himself as a striker. If you interviewed him and say, what are you good at? He's going to say, I'm a striker. But he can be a slow starter 
and he can take a while to gauge rhythm and really start to flow. But what he does do well is work in those takedowns. He lowers his level. He shoots clean shots. They're not desperate. They are usually pretty well set up, and they usually result with some heavy top pressure. He's a well-rounded guy. He can definitely have some success in the UFC despite being thrown to and losing to Nazrat Hakprast in his short-notice debut. A lot of people are going to look at the record. They're going to see that Landon lost to Nazrat, as I said about 11 times, and they're just going to move on. But I recommend you watch that fight because Landon actually looked good in that fight. He landed well. He defended five takedowns in a short-notice UFC debut. And that matters here because it's a testament to his composure and his takedown defense. Despite the praise for Landon, though, uh, I'm going to go with Markel here. Markel's going to be the pick. His composure... He's got dangerous striking. And more importantly for this matchup, his takedown defense and his ability to turn somebody else's offensive takedown into his own, ending up on top, creating a nice scramble, that's going to be very important for him. He's going to use those skills. He's going to win this fight. Markel's the pick. Obviously, you have to be careful with these young UFC debuts. They could always be very, very risky. But I do think Markel has the composure of a vet. I like him to win this fight. And I do have him... In a parlay, I'll give you the other half of that parlay when we get to that fight. Then we have Blake Builder taking on Zhang Yong Lee. This is another really fun fight. Two really good prospects that can stay busy, stay active, and give potentially fight of the night style performances. We have Zhang Yong Lee. This guy's very well-rounded. He has a loose striking style. He's going to manage range with that. He's got solid takedowns and grappling as well. He's very long for the division, and he uses his length well by walking people down. He can be hittable, though, because he keeps his hands low, but he's got a solid chin, and he's got grappling as a backup plan. He is coming off his first official UFC win over Yiza, where despite having five takedowns and eight minutes of control, it was a split decision. He's taking on Blake Builder. This guy's an aggressive grappler, a busy striker who will shoot as soon as he has the opportunity and then control from there. He explodes on the ground, but he does not take unnecessary risks. He'll explode to get mountain. He'll explode to sweep, but he won't chase a submission that isn't there and then lose the position entirely. He can strike as well with a loose style, but he can be hittable. He's coming off that loss to Kyle Nelson where he went 0 for 3 on takedown attempts and he couldn't keep up with the striking Every time I, a little bit off track here, every time I scroll through my Instagram feed, there's just a Blake Builder video, and it looks like he's training in a swamp. They're on wrestling mats, he's training. I have never seen more fluids on a mat in my life, like slipping and sliding. It might be a half an inch of sweat and blood. I don't know what the hell is in it. The fact that his entire body isn't one big ringworm is astonishing. It's actually kind of gross to watch those videos, especially with long hair. Gross. Anyway. Could be a close fight. Should be a fun fight. Blilder definitely shit the bed his last time out. I do like him as an underdog in this spot, though. I totally understand Lee being the favorite here. He's dangerous. He can grapple. He has some power, but he's also small. And I think Builder can literally just bully him in the octagon. We obviously need Builder to pressure forward, stay busy with the striking, and to threaten takedown. So hopefully he will do that. Hopefully that loss to Kyle Nelson taught him a lesson or two, and he can learn from the lack of pressure and turn it on. Ultimately, I do think size matters. Blake Builder is going to be the pick. He is the underdog here, and I am going to be watching the line movement tracker to see if I can get better odds. He's a very slight underdog right now, like plus 105, something like that. I'm going to keep watching the line movement tracker. He works his way up. We get some plus 120, plus 130. 
all of a sudden, Blake Builder's some very, very good value. I already think he's good value now at any plus money, but I'm going to keep an eye on it. I do think he wins this fight, and I'm certainly going to place a bet if I can get some better odds. Make sure if you are a premium member, you have gone to your account page, you have clicked the link Discord button. This way, when we do place the bet, you will get an alert to your phone, and if you like it, great. If you don't like it, no problem. You move on, but you didn't miss out on those odds. And people think, oh, it's a week off. It doesn't matter. I'll sign up next week. No, no, no. The week off is almost more important than the week on because this is when everybody's sleeping and we get those solid odds. Go back to the UFC Vegas 84 video, my betting video for that card. First of all, we dominated. Second of all, check that betting video and you can see the odds that we put up for premium members and the odds where they were when we filmed that video. That matters. We want picks.com. Click become a member at the top and then go to your account page to link the Discord. Then we have a pretty contested fight here. People seem to be split on the interweb as to who is going to win. We have Alishkab Krasiv taking on Mahmoud Muradov. Alishab Krasiv is, I, I mean, the fact that I didn't spit everywhere breaking that down is wild. Anyway, Krasiv is a hyped middleweight prospect and he fights exactly the way you would expect a man with that beard and no mustache to fight. He's a powerful grappler with big heavy strikes on the feet, relentless wrestling, and then incredible top pressure on the ground. He has fantastic submissions as well and he's not just looking for a wrestling decision. He likes to come forward, set a pace, get it to the ground, and find a submission. He's coming off the second round submission win over Dennis Tululin. He's taking on Mahmoud Murado. This guy's a very good boxer with nice kicks. He has solid fundamentals and very clean technique. His striking differential is a solid 4-2. His wrestling offense is 66%, and he ties it all out. He rounds it all out with takedown defense at 77%. He's coming off that decision win over Brian Barbarana where he had 13 takedowns and two knockdowns, and that sounds amazing. Wow, 13 takedowns. The problem is, and we have said this time and time again on this channel, if you took somebody down 13 times in a 15-minute fight, that means that dude was standing up constantly. And that means you have no control whatsoever. So Mahmoud Muradov showed us the wrestling. Oh, nice takedown, slick takedown, good job. Why can't you keep that guy in the mat? That's what you got going on here. Muradov is a plus 145 underdog, and I have a feeling, and I could already see it on the web, he is everybody's favorite underdog for this card. People are loving him in this matchup, and I completely disagree. I do not think he's a good underdog. Of course, he's a good striker. He does have some solid submission defense, which is going to matter here. But Krasiv is a different animal. He's going to come forward, swing hard. He's going to get Muradov to the ground without any issues. Even if Muradov survives early submission attempts, we can trust Krasiv to grind for a full 15 minutes. He does not slow down. He doesn't quit. He will grind, 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 grapple, 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 wrestle, 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 keep that pace up. And Muradov is going to have a very rough outing. Krasiv is going to be the pick. I am very, very confident in him and my ability to say that last name. You guys have been watching, like some of you have been watching us for a while. We're at 21-ish thousand subscribers. We obviously started at zero and worked our way up. When we were at the thousand subscriber mark, two, three thousand subscriber mark, it was like a running gag that Angelo can't pronounce these names. I mean, look at me now. If this isn't the glow up of the century, first of all, not drinking in January, thin me out. Second of all, I'm pronouncing these names like, it's, it's unbelievable. I could teach Arabic. That's how good I am at pronouncing these names. Next up, we have Luana Carolina taking on Julia Stolarienko. This is a very, very tricky fight to break down. We got Luana Carolina. She's a striker. 
Solid takedown defense, which will matter here. She's not the most technical woman in the division, but she has fantastic clinch work with good knees and elbows. She also is a Muay Thai style striker overall, but doesn't have that Muay Thai stance. She's got very good takedown defense at 76%. And when she gets the takedown, or when she gets taken down, sorry, she's busy and she starts working for submissions. She's coming off the prospect busting win over Ivana Petrovic, where she doubled the strikes and had a takedown of her own. She's taking on Julia Stolarienko in her new weight class of 125 pounds. And Julia is a dangerous grappler. She's very slick on top and off of her back. Her striking is sloppy. She is very hittable. She has a negative striking differential of three to five, but she is willing to brawl and she's got really heavy kicks. When she is on top, she can be very dangerous and has fantastic control. But when she is taken down outside of a Hail Mary armbar, which we have seen her do, outside of that armbar, there's not a ton to offer. She did move down to 125 pounds for her last fight, and she looked incredible. She absolutely destroyed Molly McCann in under two minutes. And the reason this is a tricky fight to break down because we saw Stolyranko dismantle Molly McCann, and she looked like a different person than the one we saw get smoked by Chelsea Chandler and Julia Vila. So I have to assume that this new, improved, 125-pound version of her is here to stay. She's going to be the pick because I do think she can bully her way into a takedown, but we cannot sleep on Luana. Luana beat Lupi Cadenas. She dropped Priscilla Cachera in that win. She's a very good striker. She can win this fight if she stays standing. This is a tough pick, but we have seen Luana Carolina get taken down eight times in her last four fights, and I think Julia can do more of the same. Julia is going to be the pick. But Luana Carolina is a solid underdog and a very, very good fighter. And if you're wondering why there was a jump cut there, it's because I had to check on my daughter. My youngest has a nut allergy, which I poke fun at from time to time. And we went to a tea party for her cheerleading team. And she came up to me with a bite missing. And she's usually very good about this. But she came up to me with a bite missing out of a pistachio nut macaroon. Daddy, can I have this? No, you can't. So we had to flee home and we keep an eye on her. Gave her a little bit of Benadryl, keeping an eye on her, making sure it doesn't escalate, turn into something else. So uh, that jump cut was me being like, are you alive? Are you breathing? Yes, daddy. So she's alive. Next up, we have Thomas Peterson taking on Jamal Pokes. Thomas Peterson is another prospect. He's a goon. Look at this guy. If I told you this guy was a nonstop wrestler and a goon, would you believe me? I would. Look at him. Anyway, he's a solid wrestler. He's going to work everything from bear hugs to double legs. His striking is not good at all. Definitely not great. Definitely not good. But he will close the gap with straight punches while marching forward. And then when he gets you against the cage, he's going to be busy in the clinch. If Peterson can't take his opponent down, he's in trouble. But if he can, he's got great control, great ground and pound, and he can really dominate on top. He's coming off the second round submission win on the Contender Series to earn his UFC shot. He's taking on Jamal Pogues. This guy's a busy heavyweight who always seems to be throwing something. He's got solid volume and sets a decent pace, but he's not the powerful heavyweight that you would expect. He can grapple in his first contender series fight. He had seven takedowns and on the regional scene, he has quite a few as well. He's not particularly dangerous anywhere, but he does set a nice pace and he can work 
everywhere. He's coming off that loss to Mick Parkin where he looked uncharacteristically sloppy and he had several poor takedown attempts. I'm going to go Peterson here. I think the UFC used Jamal Pogues to see how good Mick Parkson is and I think they're doing the exact same thing here. So I am going to go Peterson. Yes, his striking is pretty horrendous and yes, Jamal actually has some solid striking, but I don't think Jamal can defend the takedowns. And if he doesn't have enough power to land the one big knockout punch, he can't change this fight. If Jamal had big one-punch Derek Lewis knockout power, then all of a sudden Thomas Peterson with his ass striking, charging forward, looking for a takedown is in a little bit of trouble. Jamal Pogues does not have that power. So Thomas Peterson is not in any trouble. He's just going to come forward, get his takedowns, and win this fight. Obviously, he only has nine professional fights and he could get exposed and we've seen that time and time again and that's why we love this sport so much but I trust him enough. I have him in the parlay with Markel. Markel Medeiros, Thomas Peterson. It is a, a prospect parlay. I threw one unit on that and we're getting plus money. I think they're both going to get it done. Then we have a newly added fight. This was added just, a, I don't know, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. We got Randy Brown taking on Muslim Salikov. Randy Brown's a very good striker. He uses his range really well. He is stupid tall for this weight class at 6'3". This is welterweight, 170 pounds, 6'3". And he uses that well. He's got nice long jabs. He has kicks. He'll keep you at bay. When he's ready, he's going to use his speed to initiate solid boxing exchanges. He has nine takedowns in the UFC. And while he doesn't go to them very often, he's got nice trips, solid jujitsu on the mat. He's very good and a lot of fun to watch. He's coming off that bounce back win over Wellington Terman where he won the striking and the grappling exchanges. A lot of people didn't expect him to win the grappling exchanges, and he did that anyway. He's taking on Muslim Salikov. This guy's a solid striker who hits very hard, and he's got some wrestling as well. He holds nothing back. Almost every single strike is a significant strike. He has really good takedown defense, solid takedown offense, great striking. He's coming off that loss to Nicholas Dalby where he did land more total strikes. He did have two takedowns, but he was backing up, and he gave up more than six minutes of control. Muslim is dangerous in basically every single fight that he's in. But he is slowing down. He's pushing 40 He's 40 He's pushing 40. He's losing his cardio. He doesn't seem to have that sting on his punches anymore. I think Randy can play that outside game, use that reach, dance around for a little bit, work in a takedown or two to lock up the rounds. Randy's going to be the pick. He should be able to avoid any power shots. He should be able to out-technique the aging vet here. So Randy's going to be the pick, and I'm pretty confident in that. Then we have Gilbert Urbina taking on Charles Ratke or Charlie Ratke, depending on where you look up this fight. Gilbert Urbina is a very good grappler. He's competent on his feet as well. He's got high striking volume output of more than six significant strikes landed per minute. But if you watch his fights, it is clear that he doesn't have the striking defense. He just loves moving forward and he will get hit on his way in. He sets a great pace. He's got plenty of cardio to keep that up for fifth minutes. He's coming off that knockout win over Orion Kose where his striking was on point and he was able to get two takedowns. He's taking on Charlie Ratke. This guy's an athletic grappler who's going to lower his level and shoot proper takedowns. He immediately works for positions once he gets to the ground. He's very controlled on the ground. He's very dangerous. He hunts for submissions. He works transitions really well, but he will do dumb shit like pull guillotines and maybe chase a submission or two that gets him out of position. Not the most wise decisions at times, but he does stay controlled, meaning he's not loose, he's not wild. If he sees something, he'll go for it, 
but sometimes going for that will make him lose a position. He does tend to slow down as fights go on, and he can be very hittable, but he does throw with power. He is very tough. He's coming out that very close win over Mike Matheta, where he shocked the crowd in his post-fight speech. This is actually a pretty close fight, because despite Gilbert being a good offensive wrestler, his takedown defense is not very good. Charlie will be looking to exploit that, and as we saw in his last fight, he has no issues diving at legs and being as boring as possible to get a win. Gilbert's going to be the pick here because I think the cardio is going to separate these two, even if Charlie has some early success. I think Gilbert will just sort of distance himself more and more as that fight goes on because his cardio is so good, because he's such an excellent pace setter. But I want to see an early pace from Gilbert. I don't want him to fall behind and then have to, you know, pick up the pace to separate himself. If he sets the pace early, he should have Charlie trying to play catch up and he should have no issues here. Gilbert is going to be the pick medium level confidence in him because, you know, Charlie can work in takedowns and Gilbert can be taken down. Then we have another very interesting fight. We have very, very good prospect in Natalia Silva taking on the durable tough veteran in Vivian Arujo. Vivian Arujo is a grappler. She's very comfortable striking as well. She has technical boxing, great low kicks, but she does get hit pretty often, and she does have a negative striking differential. She's athletic, fast, and always looking for a finish both standing and on the ground, but conditioning can be an issue for her in the later rounds because of the pace and pressure she sets. She averages almost two takedowns per fight and has an impressive 77% takedown defense. She is coming off that decision win over Jennifer Maya, where she landed half the strikes, but she had seven minutes of control time. She's taking on Natalia Silva. Natalia Silva is a well-rounded fighter who is always fun to watch. She has what seems like a brawling strike style, but she's going to wing some punches from her hips, but she's also going to work in some spinning attacks and takedowns. It does seem like a whirling dervish of chaos, but I'm saying seems like because her striking is actually pretty technical and she does a good job baiting opponents in before she does what she needs to do. She's got solid upper body takedowns and then good control on top. She's insanely powerful for the division and we have never seen her in trouble in the UFC. We have seen her not only win by knockout, but also a knockout in the third round. So we know that she has power. We know that she carries it late in the fights. We've also seen her fight to a full decision where she didn't slow down. As of right now, Natalia Silva is the complete package. She might be that girl. She might be a top five fighter in this division. She's 4-0 in the UFC. She has looked incredible in every single fight. We saw her out-wrestle Jasmine Jazza-Devicious, out-strike Andrea Lee, and finish her other two opponents. It's hard for me to even balance this pick out with, well, Vivi could win if this happens, because I don't know what this is. We haven't seen Natalia Silva not look good. Yes, she's got five losses on her record, but those are a long time ago, and she is pretty young. So needless to say, Natalia is going to be the pick, and I think she can do whatever the hell she wants to do in this fight. Then we have the co-main event of the evening. We have a returning Hanato Moicano to take on Drew Dober. Hanato Moicano is a high-level BJJ black belt. He's also a technical striker, and he doesn't really have that one-punch stoppage power, but he does have some nice volume and a good pace. The concern, though, is his chin. While Moicano can hang with the better strikers in the division as far as technique is concerned, his chin does not always hold up to the test. He averages almost two takedowns per fight with a 46% accuracy, but as we saw in the Brad Riddell fight, he doesn't always need to shoot 
to get in his scramble and create a submission opportunity. He's taking on Drew Dober. We all know Drew. We all know his chin. He's got a fun take one to give one striking style. And he's got one of the best chins in MMA. He was just knocked out a few fights ago, but his chin is still there. He's got nice power and a willingness to brawl. He's technically sound, but that doesn't stop him from getting wild. He only has a 56% takedown defense, but he does such a good job baiting people into firefights that he isn't defending takedowns very often. He almost gives people a false sense of confidence because he does get hit. And people start hitting him early. And then they're like, oh shit, look at all the success I'm having striking. I'm going to strike with this guy. And then boom. Drew Dober lands that punch and they get put out. He's coming off that bounce back knockout win over Ricky Glenn where he needed fewer than three minutes to get back to his winning ways. Hanato Moicano is a minus 145 favorite right now. And I get it. He's a technical striker. He's a dangerous grappler. But he's also chinny. He gets hit a lot and he has not fought in a year. I think Drew can do what he does best, which is create a brawl and put somebody down. Moicano is... Probably the more technically sound fighter, maybe everywhere, maybe even including the striking. But I'm going red, white, and blue, baby. I'm going to trust Drew Dober to get this done. I think he will make it a Drew Dober fight. I don't see Hanato Moicano shooting takedowns because I think Hanato is going to think that he's having success striking. He doesn't have one-punch power, so we don't have to worry about a Matt Frivola situation with Drew. And I think Moicano is going to touch up Drew early. And then Drew will hit a rhythm. Drew will hit Moicano's face. And Drew will have success. Drew Dober is going to be the pick. I do have a very small bet on him. A half a unit at plus 125. I think those are great odds. I mean, Drew Dober, as we know, is a dog. And he's got that one-punch knockout power. I might double down on a prop. Like Drew Dober inside the distance. Decision, no action. Something to that effect. Because again, I don't think Hanato has that one-punch knockout power. That could be an issue for Drew. Then we have the main event of the evening. This is actually a spectacular main event. We have Roman Delize taking on Nasruddin Imovov. The winner of this might set themselves up pretty well for a title shot, especially with the middleweight division sort of up in the air. And when I say up in the air, I mean there's no Izzy, there's no longtime champion, there's a lot of new blood and a lot of opportunities for some really interesting fights. So the winner of this could really establish themselves as the next guy or the guy after that. We have Roman Delize. This guy's a world champion grappler who has showcased those grappling skills more than one time in the octagon. Despite almost always being the better grappler, though, he has no problems marching forward, throwing heavy punches, and getting stuck in a striking match. He has very real power, which he does tend to chase. Delize is a very well-rounded fighter who can knock you out or submit you, but he doesn't always have the best game plans. That was evident in his last fight against Marvin Vittori, where he only attempted one single takedown. He's taking on Nasruddin Imamov. This guy is a busy striker who constantly works towards his opponent. He can strike and counter-strike while moving forward. He's got a nice jab, solid elbows, and he looks very comfortable mixing things up. He's got takedowns and solid control when he wants to use them. He averages about one takedown per fight, and he just took down Chris Curtis three times in that no contest. I mentioned this is a very good main event. Somebody could get themselves into title contention here. My gut reaction anytime Delize fights is that, oh, this guy's going to win. I think I have picked him in every UFC fight he's ever had, including the two losses. Shame on me. One loss was a bullshit, bad decision. Anyway, I do find it hard to pick against the guy with his submission skills and his power. We even watched him get taken down with a beautiful duck under by Phil Hawes, and Delize almost instantly broke that dude's knee. 
almost instantly, Phil Hawes was in a world of trouble after hitting that takedown. And I want to pick him here so badly, but I don't know if I can trust him. I don't think he can win this fight striking. He needs to grapple. But as we saw in his last fight, he doesn't always grapple when he needs to. The pick is going to have to be Nasruddin because at the very least, I know he will fight smart. I know he has no problem going three rounds. He has no problem going five rounds. He has no problem sticking to a game plan. The bet in all likelihood, though, when the props drop will be Roman Delize inside the distance decision no action because Nasruddin is not an incredibly dangerous guy. Even if Nasruddin wins a decision, I'll get a full refund on that bet. And if Roman Delize does what he does, blows this dude's knee out, knocks this dude's head off, I will get paid. Make sure if you're a premium member, you link the Discord because the prop bets, when we have a week off like this, always drop at weird times. And as soon as it drops, we will place our bets if we like any, you know, we're not going to force anything, but if we see a bet that we like, we will place it, we will throw it in the Discord, and you will be alerted to your phone instantly before the line takes off. Nasruddin Imovov is going to be the pick, but the bet might very well be Roman Delize. Guys, become a premium member. You're going to get detailed data, metrics, and analytics. You're going to get tools, insight, information. It's only $10 a month. Go to wewantpicks.com, click become a member at the top. You're going to get the line movement tracker. This gives you opening odds, current odds, win probability, and line movement for every single fighter on every single card. You're going to get more than just me and Baby Red. You're going to get the MMA Minute. He's got 30,000 followers on TikTok. You're going to get Running Mouth MMA. Those guys are incredibly fun, and there are three of them giving you picks, bets, round line leans, and insight. You're also going to get Artem. Artem's breaking down far more than just UFC. He's giving you PFL. LFA, Bellator, other promotions as well. And you're going to get the pick doctor who has developed an AI picking fights based solely off of historical data. All of this and so much more at wewantpicks.com. Just click become a member.